I want you to take your Bibles this morning. I hope you have your Bible with you. And I want you to turn to the 28th chapter of the book of Genesis. A number of weeks ago, uh, it's probably been two months ago, I got to thinking about the fact in the Bible of how God met people or people encountered God in unexpected places. And my mind just to go, began to go through the Scripture. They weren't looking for God, but God was looking for them. And they're right in the middle of something they never dreamed. They had a divine interruption. It was a divine interruption. God, they encountered God in an unexpected place and an unexpected time. You know, the overwhelming message of this book is this, and don't miss this. It is not man seeking God. It is God seeking man. Left to ourselves, we would never seek God. I want you to go back to the first time there was sin in the world. After Adam sinned, you know what the Bible says about Adam? That he hid himself from the presence of God among the trees of the garden. Created in God's image, greatly loved by God, but sin had stained his soul. And now, crouching behind some trees, he's hiding from God. But you know what the Bible says? God went to the garden and said, Adam, where are you? You see, the message of the Bible is, it's not man seeking God. It is God seeking you. Did you know the entire Christ event? The entire Christ event is all about God seeking man. Jesus was born of the Virgin Mary in the manger of Bethlehem because God was seeking man. Jesus grew up in Nazareth in a carpenter's shop and lived a sinless life. You know why? Because God was seeking man. Jesus was cruelly mocked and tried as a common criminal and died on the cross. You know why? Because God was seeking man. And then God raised him from the dead. And the message is, God is still seeking man. And you know, you're going to encounter God in your life in unexpected places and unexpected ways. And it's because God is seeking you. And when you encounter God in that unexpected place, you need to be sensitive to the fact that it's God who has given you a divine interruption in your life. I, I discovered eight people in the Bible that had what I call encounters with God in unexpected places. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to talk about four of them. Four of the people in the Bible who encountered God in an unexpected place. And you'll be able to identify with them. Now in Genesis 28, we see a man who's on a journey. He's on a journey, and he's on a mission. And that man's name was Jacob. Now, I hope you've got your Bible open toward Genesis 28. Now, I don't have to tell you what a significant figure Jacob is in the kingdom of God. Do you know that all through the Bible, God is referred to as the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? Why? 
Because God made a covenant with Abraham. God made a covenant with Isaac. But also God made a covenant with Jacob. And so here we see Jacob in Genesis 27 and 28. And he's going to have an encounter with God in an unexpected place. Let me tell you why he's on a journey. Because his brother Esau is going to kill him. I'll tell you what. When somebody's out to kill you, 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 you start moving. You don't stay still. And if you got your Bible in Genesis 27, verse 41, listen to what it says. <clears throat> so, Jacob, so Esau hated Jacob. His brother hated him. Esau hated Jacob because of the blessing with which his father blessed him. And Esau said in his heart, the days of mourning for my father are, are at hand, and I will kill my brother Jacob. Absolutely clear, he said. My father said, oh, I'm going to kill Jacob. Well, Jacob's mother, Rebekah, heard about it. <clears throat> Verse 42, and the words of Esau, her older son, were told to Rebekah. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Surely your brother Esau comforts himself concerning by the fact that he's intending to kill you. He gets great comfort that he's going to kill you. Thou therefore, my son, obey my voice, arise, flee to my brother Laban in Haran. So Rebekah said to her son, you get out of here because Esau's going to kill you. So Jacob started on a journey, fleeing from his mother. But before he left, you know what Rebekah said? She said, I don't want Jacob marrying one of these Canaanite women. I don't want him to do that. The son, the daughters of Heth. She said, I want that. So she said to Isaac, now, if he marries one of the daughters of Heth, one of these Canaanite women, it's going to kill me. It's going to break my heart. So in Genesis 28, this is what uh, Isaac says to Jacob. Jacob, now you go on over to the house of your mother's father. And there her brother Laban has some daughters. And I want you to find your wife over in the house with Laban. Or find one of Laban's daughters to be your wife. So now here's Jacob. He's on a journey. He's running for his life. But he's looking for a wife. I don't know which one's the more important. <laughs> and you'll find out poor Jacob, he got messed up. He had the right one, but somebody deceived him. But anyway, but you know what happened? On the journey, running for his life and looking for a wife, Jacob had an unexpected encounter with God that changed his life forever. Oh, he didn't think that this whole journey was about an encounter with God. Man, he was running for his life and looking for what? No. But let me tell you what happened. In chapter 28, one of the great passages in the Word of God. Look what happened to Jacob. In verse 10, he's on the journey looking for his wife and running from Esau. Now, Jacob went. This is Genesis 28, verse 10. And Jacob went from Beersheba and went toward Haram. And he came to a certain place. Doesn't even say the name of it. Stayed there all night because the sun had set. He took one of the stones in that place and put it at his head. And he laid down in that place to sleep. Now, I do not understand why Jacob had a stone as a pillow for his head. But it said that he got a stone and laid down his head at the stone. But now look what happened. Jacob has 
an unexpected encounter with God that changes his life. Then he dreamed. Now what a picture. Then behold, a ladder was set up on earth, and its top reached to heaven, and there were angels of God ascending and descending on it. Here he is dreaming, and here's a ladder that goes from earth right on into heaven, and here God's angels going up and down that ladder. And behold, the Lord stood above it. At the top of the ladder was God himself. And the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac, and, 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 the, and the land on which you're lying, I will, give to, I will give to you and your descendants. He said, Jacob, you know where you're laying right now? I'm giving this land to you. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And and your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth. You shall spread them abroad to the west and the east, the north and the south. And you and your seed and all the families of the earth will be blessed. So he's making a covenant with Jacob. Where you are right now, I'm giving it to you and I'm giving it to your descendants. And you are going to be blessed. But listen to God's promise. See, J Jacob wasn't looking for God. But God was looking for him. He met God. He had an unexpected encounter with the living God. And it says in verse 15 of Genesis 20, Behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. Man, what a promise from God. I am with you and will keep you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land and I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. He said, everything I promised you, Jacob, I'm going to do. Well, Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely God is in this place. Wow. And I did not know it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome th is this place? Listen to what he named the place where he was. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Wow. When he laid down that night and put his head on that stone, he had no idea that he would encounter God in such a way that would change his life forever. And he called that place Bethel. Bethel, the house of God. But I want you to notice how it changed Jacob's life. I want you to listen to the vow that he made to God. Then Jake, in verse 20 of Genesis 28, Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going, and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on, so that when I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God, and this stone on which I've set as a pillar shall be God's house. And all that you give me, I will surely give you a tent. Jacob really was just running from his brother. And he was just looking for a wife. But God had other plans. He interrupted him and made a covenant with Jacob that still lasts until this day. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jacob returned that, with that encounter with God by making a vow to God. That he would do exactly what God said. I, I, I don't know what journey you're on this morning. But don't you be surprised on your journey. That God loves you so much. That you might have a divine interruption. God may come to you in an unexpected time. In an unexpected way. And there as you are on the journey. God may begin to speak to you. And say things to you that he, you know are from God. And you need to listen to him. And you need to be willing to obey what he says. 
Because I want you to understand, Jacob wasn't on a journey seeking God. He was running for his life. But God never took his hand off Jacob. He was seeking Jacob. And so sometimes we ha- things happen to us and we wonder, well, is God in this or not? I'm just telling you, you be sensitive to the fact that all through the Bible, people met God in unexpected, encountered God in unexpected places and unexpected ways. <clears throat> then there's another encounter that two people had. In Jacob's case, it was man who was in a crisis, running from his brother, seeking a wife. He encountered God, changed his life. But then look over in Luke chapter 24. And here you've got two people that are on a journey as well. Now, here's the setting in Luke 24. Jesus has been crucified. Joseph of Arimathea has requested his body. And his, his body of Jesus has been laid in a tomb where no one had laid. He was wrapped by Joseph of Arimathea. And the stone was rolled over the door. Well, in Luke chapter 24, we see what happened on that first morning there. We see the morning, the day of the resurrection. Luke 24, verse 1. Now, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. Now, they're going to anoint the body of Jesus. Behold, the stone was rolled away from the tomb. They went in and did not find the body of Jesus. And it happened that they were greatly perplexed about this. And behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, the the angel said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He is risen. Remember how he spoke to you when he said he was still in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men. And on the third day will rise again. Those women encountered the angels and said, listen, he's alive. So they go back, now stay with me, to the disciples and say, the tomb is empty. We just had two angels tell us that Jesus is alive. Well, you're going to say, well, boy, the disciples are going to shout and say hallelujah. No, they were just full of unbelief. Look at verse 11. And their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. What a tragedy. God sent two angels and sent some women and said, he's alive. The disciples said, we saw him die. We we saw him die. Ain't no way. You're just making this up. And they did not believe. Well, so that's where they were. But now two of them, this is where I want to show you about two people who had an encounter with God in an unexpected way and an unexpected place. Two of these people that were there when the women came and told them that Jesus was alive, they started on a journey. And the Bible says they were going uh, that same day to a town called Emmaus. And it says they were traveling. It was seven miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus. So here they go. Cleophas is one of them. They're on this journey, and they're talking about the crucifixion, and they're talking about everything that happened in Jerusalem on that day, and guess what happens? <laughs> they have a divine visitor and a divine interruption. They encounter God in an unexpected place. Let me read in verse 13. Two of them were, this is Luke 24, were traveling the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. They talked together of all these things that happened. 
And when they, as they converse and reason, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Here's the risen Christ. Man, they're just walking on the way to Emmaus and talking about the fact, hey man, wasn't it a tragedy the way he died? Wasn't it a tragedy the way they treated him? Wasn't it a tragedy that Jesus is dead? Our hope is gone. Our, our life now has no future. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up and starts walking with them down the road. But look at verse 16. But their eyes were restrained. They did not know it was Jesus. Can you imagine now? Here they're walking. Stranger comes up. And they're just walking along, talking about all that happened. But I want you to notice what Jesus said to them. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is that you're having? He said, what in the world are y'all talking about? And with one another, what is this conversation you're having with one another as you walk and you're so sad? Now, here are two people that were sad, full of despair, and who were hopeless. Now, Jacob was a man in a crisis looking for a wife. But here were two people that were sad, full of despair, and they were hopeless about their situation. And all of a sudden, as they travel, there's a divine interruption. God meets them in an unexpected place. Jesus just starts walking down the road to Emmaus with them. And he said, what is this y'all are talking about? And let me ask you something. Why are you so sad? And you know what they said? Listen. Then the one whose name was Cleophas answered and said, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? Have you not known the things that happened during these days? And Jesus said, like he didn't know, What things? And they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty indeed in word and God and all the people, how the chief priests and rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified. But we were hoping that he was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it is the third day since these things have happened. They said, but certain women from the, went to the tomb early and came back and told us that they saw some angels and he was alive. Now look at verse 25. They don't know it's Jesus. They just talk about, man, we're sad. We're hopeless. We don't have a future. Listen to what Jesus said to him. Then he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe. All that the prophets have spoken. He said, Did you not know all that Isaiah and them said about my death and resurrection? Did you not know? Didn't say all the things that I said to you, that they would destroy this body and I'd raise it in three days. Like, and said, you just not know that? Oh, you foolish and slow in heart to believe. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and enter into his glory? Now listen to what happened. The rest of that journey, you know what Jesus did? He taught them. He went all the way back to Genesis. Listen to what he said. And beginning at Moses and the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now, can you imagine? They were sad, full of despair. They had no idea they were going to encounter God. No idea Jesus was going to show up in their situation. And there they are walking. And Jesus starts in Genesis. And he starts showing them that Jesus, I'm in Genesis. And I'm in Exodus. I mean, I'm in Leviticus and Numbers. And he goes all the way through and just points out everything about himself. Don't you know, they said, what, who is this guy? Why isn't he full of despair and hopelessness like we are? Where did he come? But you know, they didn't know. In fact, it says in verse 28, they got to the place where they were going and they asked Jesus to stay. 
they, they, he says, then they drew near to the village where he was going, and, and he indicated he wasn't going to go any further with him. But they constrained him, saying, abide with us. Would you just stay with us a little longer? Just stay with us a little. They knew that there was something different about this encounter they were having. Well, they sat down to eat. Jesus broke bread and blessed it. And guess what? Their eyes were open. And they realized it was Jesus. And he vanished from their presence. You know, when you're filled with despair, and when you're sad, and when your situation seems hopeless, and honestly, the dreams that you have seem that they will never be fulfilled. Don't be surprised if you have a divine interruption. If Jesus Christ does not come to you and say, man, why are you so sad? Don't you believe the word of God? Don't you believe the scriptures? Don't you believe that with God all things are possible? Don't you believe that he is the God of hope? who fills us with all joy and peace in believing that we may abound in hope by the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we need to just be saying, wait a minute. This is a journey of sadness and despair and hopelessness. But I fully expect to encounter God somewhere in this. And I expect God to speak to me and God to do a work in my, because I'm going to tell you, those two, it changed their life. Once they realized it was Jesus, man, they got up and they went straight back to Jerusalem. It says, so they rose that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the 11 and those who were with them gathered together and saying, the Lord is risen indeed. Man, did that encounter with Jesus on the road to Emmaus change their life from sadness and hopelessness and no future. They said, man, I'm telling you, he's alive. We just met him on the road to Emmaus. He's alive, I'm telling you, and he's appeared to Simon. Let me tell you something. It's not a matter of you seeking God. I'm going to tell you, God is seeking you. And I'm telling you, you're going to encounter God in unexpected places and unexpected ways. And you need to respond to this encounter with God like Jacob did. You'll be my God and I'll be your servant. And you need to respond like these two on the road to Demaeus who left their hopelessness and despair in the dust and said, listen, he is risen indeed. He's alive and I have hope. Well, there are two more. Now, this one you're very familiar with. The first one was Jacob who was in a crisis running from Esau on a mission to find a wife. Then the second were the two people on the road to Emmaus who Jesus came up right alongside of them. They were full of hopelessness and despair, and they encountered Jesus, and it changed their life. But here's the third one. This is a man that we're all very, very familiar with. And you're going to know all about him. But you know what his name was? He was a man who was in rebellion. And running from God. Oh yeah. Absolutely knew what he was doing. In rebellion and running from God. And his name was Jonah. If you got your Bible and you want to turn. You don't have to. But in Jonah chapter 1. Listen to what it says. Arise go to Nineveh that great city. Cry out against it. 
for their wickedness has come up before me. I would say to Jonah, what part of that don't you understand? God told you to rise, go to Nineveh, and to cry out against their wickedness and to call them to repent. But now look what Jonah did. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He said, I'm not going to do it. In fact, I'm going the opposite direction. He was in rebellion, and he was running from God. Brother Ronnie, would you come up here a minute? In other words, he wasn't, and he wasn't looking for God. He had heard from God, and he was running from God. But I want to tell you, you know, you can never outrun God. You can't do it. You can rebel, and you can run. But I'm going to tell you something. Storm came up. And I want you to look at verse 17. Now the Lord prepared a great, you need to come up here. The Lord prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of a fish three days. Can I make one statement? I believe Jonah had an encounter with God in an unexpected place. Amen. Do you think when he started running from God, well, I tell you, I'm going to end up in the belly of a great fish. And for three days, I'm going to have an encounter with God. Jonah was running from God. But he couldn't outrun God. God prepared a great fish. You know, about two months ago, God began to speak to me this message. And Ronnie very seldom ever gets to come. He's a chaplain for the police department and the sheriff's department, FBI. Very seldom gets to come. But when I heard he was going to be here, I remembered a story he told me. I want him to tell you about an unexpected encounter he had with God. And how it radically Shook his life. Come over here, Brother Ronnie. And just get close to my mic. And I want you to listen to this. This man was running from God as fast as he could. But you tell us what happened. Well, I had uh, served the devil as hard as I could for 33 years. And I had just served him. I mean, literally served him. Because I had destroyed lives. I had hurt people. And I hadn't done anything that I should do. I was self-centered completely and uh, I wasn't changing from that even though as a child I had been I had gone to First Baptist preacher brother Bob Norman anybody around here remember brother Bob brother Bob Norman had preached and I had heard great messages from him and and uh, Homer Martinez and but I didn't do anything with them I mean I we went down front we were so mean as kids that we would pass notes saying you better rededicate your life this week or he's going to sing all 134 verses just as I am. <laughs> and we wouldn't go downstairs. We, wouldn't, we would go down front and rededicate our lives and had no meaning to it whatsoever. And every time they preached hellfire and brimstone, we ran and jumped in the water. I don't know how many times I was baptized. The old saying is so many times my fingers were wrinkled. But the point is nothing ever took place. During a deep sea fishing rodeo, I'd managed nightclubs and rock bands for many years. And during a deep sea fishing rodeo, my wife and I, Brenda and myself, were overstaying at the Holiday Inn on Dolphin Island. Some of you don't even know there was a Holiday Inn. It was. And I went to the Neptune Club. The Neptune Club was the rocking place to be at the time. And one of the bands that I worked with was working in the Neptune Club. And during that night, Brenda was inside. I decided to go out. I'm going to be a little graphic here with you. I don't like this part, but this part has to be done because of what we're talking about. I wanted to go outside and smoke a cigarette, so I took my cigarette and my beer outside. 
and stood on the pier. And while I was standing on the pier, I was just uh, admiring the, the moon dancing on the water, and I just loved the water, and I was standing there drinking my beer and smoking a cigarette. And all of a sudden I heard in my mind's ear, just as clear as a bell, choose you this day whom you will serve. And I went, oh, I don't need this. I don't, I don't need this. And so I just stood there for a minute, you know, and just kind of listened to the music, tried to push everything out of my mind and get, get rid of everything because my life had been nothing but debauchery and, I, and, and, and pain for other people and only myself was a... And it wasn't long before I was standing on the pier and I thought, well, I've, it's gone. And then I heard, choose you this day whom you will serve. Or I will give you over to a reprobate mind. Now I don't even know, didn't even know what reprobate meant. It must have been in a sermon when I was a child or when I was young. I didn't even know what reprobate meant. I grew up in Pritchard. I had no idea what reprobate meant. And so I bowed. I bowed at that moment. And I said, oh God, I don't know what to do. I don't even know if I could, can go to church. I don't know what to do. Please help me. From that day, I walked back inside and told my wife, we need to go home. She said, you don't feel good? I said, no, I just think we need to go home. And we left. The next day, God intervened again. As I started out to be in that life again, I can remember that we were at a lawn party. And I was going to drink again. I was, I was just I was going to push. It had, wasn't, didn't come back up. And I started to drink and got sick as a dog. And just got pale. And I, got lay, I was laying down on the ground because I got weak. And they went and saw me and they took me over to my wife and they put me in a car with her. And I put my head in her lap and remembered everything that had happened the night before. And I looked up at Brenda and I said, I'll never drink again. She said, hurry, he's sick. <laughs> And what happened was, is that from that day forward, my life changed. We started coming to Cottage Hill Baptist Church. Brother Fred was the pastor there at the time. 1978. 1978. I remember we sat in the very top of the uh, uh, balcony so as we could get as far away from the pulpit. But God's in the balcony. That's right. But here's the part I want to tell you how powerful God is. I was going to an Assembly of God church when I made up my mind to go to church. And the morning I was shaving, I remember telling my barber, if you'll get off of my back and quit talking about Jesus Christ, if I ever decide to go to church, I will go to Cottage Hill Baptist Church. I told my wife I had to go to Cottage Hill. She said, well, I'm not going there. That's Baptist and I'm Catholic and that's all they ever do is talk about Catholics. I said, you're as much a Catholic as I am a Christian. <laughs> I said, all you've been to is a couple of weddings and funerals. And I said to her, I said, darling, we need to go because I made that promise. She said, well, you're telling the people we're going with. I told them. They said, if that's where you made a promise to go, go. Let me show you how powerful God is. The first words out of his mouth to start the sermon that day in 1978 was, I don't care if you're Baptist. I don't care if you're Catholic. I don't care if you're Presbyterian. 
I don't care what you are as long as when you walk out of this church today, you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He had a hold of her. He always had a hold of her. <laughs> Amen. That's good. June, June the 9th, I prayed to receive Christ with S.L. and Joanne, Herb and Pam sitting in Herb's living room. June the 9th, last Thursday, my phone rang early in the morning. Telling me happy spiritual birthday. Thank you. Amen. That's a perfect example of an unexpected encounter with God in an unexpected place. I didn't know God hung around the Neptune Club, did you? He was outside, Ronnie, I understand. But folks, listen, it's all about God-seeking man. It's not about man-seeking God. And I guarantee God got his attention. Ron had no idea what a reprobate mind. He was close. <laughs> but I'm telling you, Jonah thought it. Jonah was running from God. He was in rebellion from, with God. And he knew what God wanted him to do, but he didn't want anything to do with it. So God prepared a fish. And Jonah spent three days talking to God out of the belly of a fish. And it was out of that that Jonah said, whatever, God, you want me to do, wherever you want me to go, Lord, you win, you win, I will go to Nineveh. And then I, I kind of got humorous at this. It says in Jonah, said that God spoke to the fish, and the fish vomited Jonah out on the land. You know what the Holy Spirit said to me? Some fish listen to God more than people do. The fish listened to God and did what he said. You may be running from God. Oh, you're in church. But in your heart, you may be knowing exactly what God wants you to do. But you say, I ain't doing it, Lord. I, I mean, you may be in a relationship that you know is wrong. And God's telling you to get out of it. And you're saying no. And, buddy, you are in trouble. God's got a fish prepared for you. You've got to understand. Jonah ran as hard as he could, but he couldn't outrun God. So we, we see uh, Jacob, who was a man uh, in a crisis, running from a death threat and running, looking for a wife. And then we see two people who had heard that Jesus was alive, but were full of unbelief and were living, though Jesus wasn't alive. And then we see a guy that was in rebellion and who absolutely was go not going to do what God told him to do, but God absolutely arrested him and got him and Jonah did what God told him to do. Now, here's the last one. I'm thinking about the man who, after an earthquake, thought he was going to lose his job and decided to kill himself. Did you know that's over in the book of Acts, the 16th chapter? Everybody knows this man's name. We don't know his name, but we know him. He was the Philippian jailer you remember uh paul and uh paul and silas had been going around preaching and there was a a, uh, a demon possessed girl that was following them and said these servants these are servants of the most high god that show us the way of salvation and she she was a fortune teller she brought great profit to her owners or masters by telling fortunes well, after about four or five days, this woman was just going behind Paul. These are servants of the Most High God who tell us the way of salvation. 
And Paul, the Bible says, Paul got annoyed by it and said to it, you spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And he came out. Well, guess what? She no longer had the supernatural power of the devil to tell fortunes. And her own owners couldn't make any money. Acts chapter 16, 15 and 16. So, man, he, they get upset. They get a mob to arrest. Get a mob all excited about Paul and Silas. So they arrest them, beat, rip their clothes off them, beat them, and put them in prison. And at midnight... In Acts 16, it says, Paul and Silas were singing praises to God. <laughs> and an earthquake came. I tried to think, I wonder what they were singing at midnight. All hail the power of Jesus' name. No, that wasn't written yet. No, that wasn't it. I bet they were singing, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. They were singing the song. Well, the earthquake came. The doors of the prison opened, their stocks and chains fell off, and all they had to do, all the prisoners could walk out. And when the jailer saw that, he knew that they would kill him because they had told him to put them in the inner prison and to secure them, and he knew if they escaped, he was a dead man. And so you know what that jailer did? The Bible says he pulled out his sword. He was a man who was about to kill himself. Pulled out his sword. He had no idea in an earthquake with two of God's servants singing at midnight that he was going to have a divine interruption. He had no idea he was going to have an encounter with God. But man, as he was about to kill himself, Paul hollered, Do yourself no harm. We're all here. Man, the Philippian jailer went in there trembling, and he saw them all there. And he'd heard them singing praises to God, and he'd heard what they'd been saying. And you know what he asked them? Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Here it was, man, at one moment he was about to kill himself. But Paul said, no, no, we're here. And then he realized that he had just experienced an, a divine encounter with a living God who sent an earthquake to free his, his servants. And he cried out, what must I do to be saved? And I love the answer. It was the only answer that could be given. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved and your house. And the Bible says he believed, went home and told his family they believed. Every one of them was baptized that night. It says they washed, he washed the wounds and cuts of Paul and Silas. Entire family was saved. Baptized them all that night. It was called baptism at night. And then they just began to serve God. Let me tell you something. Here was a man who said, it's over. I've lost my job. These guys are going free. I, 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 I mean, I might as well take my life. They're going to take it. He did not know that what had happened was there was a divine interruption, that there was an encounter with God orchestrated by God so that a Philippian jailer and his house could know Jesus and be saved. I, I, I'm, I'm speaking to some people here today. You've been on a journey, and you know God has been, you've been encountering God, but you hadn't been listening real well. God has been doing things in your life, but somehow you've just passed them off. 
But you need to understand that it is God seeking you. And he is reaching out to you. And you need to be very sensitive. It's not just another thing when a ladder opens up and angels are going up and down to heaven. It's not just another thing when somebody comes and speaks to you words of hope and encouragement. It's not another thing when God stops you in your tracks on the pier at, at the back of the Neptune Club and says, Choose you this day whom you will serve. It's not, a, it's not a mistake, an unusual thing when God causes, when something happens like an earthquake in your life and makes you understand, I tell you what, there's more to life than I have now and there's something that I'm missing and I need God. Listen, God is seeking you. He is seeking you. He loves you so much that he has not given up on you. Your family may have given up on you. Your friends may have given up on you. You may have given up on yourself. But God hasn't given up on you. And Jesus died so you could live. And he lives so that you can live a life that pleases God because he comes to live inside of you. Look for encounters with God in an unexpected way and an unexpected place. And you respond to God like Jacob did, like the two men on the road to Emmaus did, and like Jonah did, and like the Philippian jailer. Yes, Lord, yes, whatever you want for me is what I want.